Well, hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornborough, and I'm joined today by David Hughes, also known as Farmer Dave. And uh, he's doing some real cool stuff down there in Tennessee. He's a uh, He's uh, growing uh, nut trees, and um, nut trees is something we've talked a little bit about here and there on the podcast, but never done a whole episode on it, I don't think. So I'm real excited to talk to Dave about um, all the cool stuff he's doing down there. But uh, Dave, welcome to the uh, Modern Homesteading Podcast. Well, thanks for having me on. Before we just really start talking about what you're doing there, let's talk a little bit about what got you there. What got you into growing trees and, and doing market gardening and you know, and doing it for the market and the things you're doing there. I mean, done this all your life or is you just jump into this when he's a young man or what? Well, I've, I mean, I've gardened since I was 10 or 12 years old. Um, always had a fascination with it. I have a, you know, my, my great grandparents were farmers. Uh, my, my great, great, no, my great grandfather had 40 acres in East Nashville which, okay. you know, if I had that now, I wouldn't have to be talking to you or doing anything else. But uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's uh, you know, the, the farming, the, the small farming lifestyle uh, has been, you know, in my kind of in my stream of thinking since I was very, very young. So I, I wanted to do it a long time ago. And uh, I had a good friend that uh, basically threw me under the bus and uh, we got started uh, doing produce and selling produce to restaurants and along the way I met a lot of very interesting people and uh, some of those people got me interested in the, the nut trees and some of the native fruit trees and things like that and you know I, I learned about things but like most people, I didn't actually see some of these things for a long time. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I was growing, I was grafting and selling pecan trees before I ever actually saw some of the improved hickory nuts in person. And I happened to have a customer come by one day and he had, uh, he wanted some pecan trees and he told me that he had some 40 year old grafted hickory trees at his place up here about 40 miles up the road so I went to see him and uh, you know the nuts were there and I picked up a few nuts and uh, you know they're hickory nuts I mean everybody thinks about hickory nuts and road gravel in the same conversation you know (laughs) gosh they're hard you got to have a sledgehammer and an anvil and on and on and on so I bring home these were these were Fayette Shellbarg hickories so these are big big as a walnut okay really okay and you know i've got some wild ones back here behind the house and i mean they are just crazy hard and i bring these nuts home and i i'm told my wife i'm gonna go crack some of these nuts so i go out and i get my big black walnut you know nutcracker and i heave down on one of them and squash that squash that dude flat as a pancake i mean just (laughs) I mean, just, really? just, just flat. I mean, just mashed it. And I was like, that's not the way that's supposed to work. That's, that's, you know, this is, this is really weird. So yeah, I get another one. I kind of ease down on it and it pops and the two sides come off that nut and there's two whole halves inside this hickory nut. Wow. And, you know, 
most people that have cracked hickory nuts, they're getting little teeny tiny pieces out of those hickory nuts. Yeah, yeah. So these are these two whole halves out of this thing, and they're big as big as a quarter, bigger than a quarter. Wow. And then he's got some shag bark hickories there, and I do the same thing with those, and they pop out in whole halves. And you know, this was this was new because I was already doing the the, the pecans. And I was doing pecans for northern areas because nobody's doing pecans for northern. Yeah. Pecans are native all the way up to Iowa and out into Nebraska. I mean, up there's a little pocket in southeastern o, southwestern Ohio uh, where the Native Americans planted pecans up there. And mm -hmm. they're cold hardy. Um, yep. I mean, there's some commercial plantings going in north of Indianapolis. Yep. Um, this is this is a thing that nobody really knows can be a thing. I planted uh, I planted two of them in, in Indiana, and I planted two of them on my property two years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's. Uh, I mean, it's it's talked about a little bit and 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 whatnot, but trying to find all the varieties, trying to find the stuff that's appropriate, the right rootstock so that they don't freeze in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. uh, all of those things are, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to do it for people who weren't really planning to plant a hundred acres of them. Somebody wanted two or four or, ten yeah. or whatever. That's, that was what I wanted to do. That was, that was the, the people that were not being served uh out in the out in the, the country so I, I can't get past these uh these hickory nuts he's talking about how in the world did they get them to that point i mean is this something you're selling now that's something i'm selling now i've got yeah uh, way too many um <laughs> there's probably 30 varieties of hickories in my catalog now is that right? um these have been collected since the late 1800s so this is a these were just wild nuts. I mean, I mean, I guess if we were doing tomatoes, they would be considered heirlooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are they're they're just wild nuts that were selected for their uh, genetic characteristics. Basically, these nuts have an internal architecture that's smooth. So there's not a lot of those ridges that go into the nut meat to to entrap the nut meats. So they've got this smooth internal architecture. Usually they're kind of flat and uh, they, it, the, the shells are a fraction of the thickness of a normal hickory nut. Okay. And you can, you can walk the woods most of your life and never find one of these. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in the woods up here and I've never seen anything like that. They were pretty small here and pretty much just uh, squirrel food and whatever else wants to eat them deer and whatever, you know, we don't, really do much with them other than that well, the the early the first named shag bark hickory was one called hale's paper shell and it was named in the late 1800s uh, came out of new england and it's it's flat but it's almost square hmm. it's thick it's bigger than a normal hickory nut and it's got a super thin shell on it not thin enough to crack by hand but but not not far and, uh, you know, those are those the, the the really important part about that is you can grow those much further north than you can pecans and be successful. Yeah. 
So there's uh, quite a quite a group of uh, nut growers in in New England and uh, in the upper Midwest that are doing hickories, and uh, they take a little bit longer than pecans to uh, to uh, get to uh, make, but uh, not that much longer. I'm curious about how long it takes for pecans to mature enough to start growing some nuts. I mean, what, I, I'm I'm figured it's going to be a long time for i ever seen one if, if ever <laughs> so i'm kind of curious about that <laughs> well, are, are your are your trees grafted or are your trees just seeds the seed, they were grown from seed i bought them from a local nursery here but yeah they're not grafted okay well seedling trees seedling pecans take 15 to 20 years yeah so, i think they were a couple years old when i maybe a year or two old when i planted them i've had them for a couple of years they're still only about eight feet tall <laughs> they got a long way to go <laughs> Well, I I planted I planted pecans here in 2012, and in 2017 I saw that there were some nuts, you know, on there just a few. And that fall I went down and I harvested my nuts, and I I had I had a handful. I mean, I had a handful. I brought them up the house and I told my wife, I said, "We have enough nuts from our orchard to make a brownie." <laughs> not a batch of brownies just a brownie, hey, brownie. Okay? and we uh we uh you know we had we had a few nuts the next year we had more the third year we got froze out we had a late freeze and mm. we didn't get anything that year the trees actually bloomed a second time but they didn't have enough time to actually ripen the nuts so we didn't didn't get any of that year now this is uh what, 11 years now they've been in the ground. And I've got a couple of trees down there that are going to have a bunch of nuts on them. Really? A bunch of nuts on them this year. Okay, so interesting. It's uh, generally the commercial guys say that you're at full production in 20 years. And that's the beginning of full production. The average, an average mature pecan tree is going to produce about 100 pounds of nuts a year. Yeah. And that's an average because some years they're going to produce a whole lot more than that, and some years they're going to produce less than that. So, but that average of 100 pounds a year is is pretty pretty average. Well, it's a long game for sure, but it sounds like it has a really good payoff. It does, and it's, you know, compared to – other fruit trees, if you if you choose the right varieties, if you choose some scab-resistant varieties, uh, they're a way of a lot easier than an apple tree or a peach tree oh, yeah. or something like yeah. that. I mean, I just I just did an interview with a lady about fruit trees, and yeah, we were just talking about all the you know problems with diseases and insects and all the things. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. just, yeah, I mean fruit trees are complicated. Fruit, fruit trees are the pathway to depression. I mean, <laughs> I don't feel quite that way about it. I mean, I enjoy my fruit, but they do take a little bit of work and I've not done anything to the nut trees I've planted. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I mean, nut trees need a little bit of pruning and, yeah. you know, if you're going to treat them as a crop and, and, and actually try to make money from them, uh, you would be in benefit to spray them periodically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if you're just growing them for yourself, for your own home use, uh, to feed the pigs, I mean, whatever, uh, you don't have to do anything. To them. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. It's like, you know, nut trees for the homestead. I mean, what are some reasons to grow some, some nut trees for the homestead? Well, I mean, lots of people like to eat them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they're a, they're a familiar crop. Um, you know, when you get over into chestnuts um, in Spain and Portugal, they fatten pigs on chestnuts, mm-hmm. and that pork is that pork is actually there's a couple of farms over there that 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 use chestnut fat and pork for the for the king over there. I mean, that's the that is a premium product over there. Um, they're you know they're they're an efficient use of resources. Um, the you know if you've got livestock, the livestock needs shade. Why not have shade that produces a crop? Sure. So you know you can you can have a tree out there that doesn't do anything, or you can have a tree out there that's you know that produces a crop for you or for the stock. Um, the uh, hazelnuts, I mean, hazelnuts, you can use every piece of the hazelnut. You can use the the branches for crafts and things like that. You can use the nuts. You can use the shells. You can press the, the not quality nuts for oil and make biodiesel out of it. I mean. Is that right? Didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all of these things are, you know, the, the, uh, you know, if you're going to do something, you want a little income on the farm and you pick up the pecans, you're not, you know, you're picking up a commodity, but you're, if you're not in South Georgia or Texas, you are not in the commodity market. As a matter of fact, you have something that nobody else has in mm-hmm. the local market. And, you know, if you've never really had a fresh pecan, you've never had a good pecan. Because the the ones you get at the store are usually kind of dried out and starchy yeah. and not just they kind of have a weird aftertaste. And a fresh pecan has got all the oils are still good in it and they're just really, really good. Okay, now you got me interested because I don't think I've ever had a fresh pecan. So now I'm really well, you, need, you need to find one. You need to find there's several guys in, in Indiana that have got uh, got pecans growing. You need to find one of those guys and crack one because yeah. they are, it's a, it's a, it's a whole new experience. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh hazelnut. Now that's when I think of like a, a shorter term nut that you can grow and get something from a lot quicker. I mean, I've got some hazelnut out here to plant just a few years ago and they're, they're in production. They're doing things. I mean, I'm not getting tons and tons from them, but, and they, they tend to spread and get big and, you know, and there's just a lot there. I mean, I use a lot of the wood for things. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot quicker of a process with, a, with hazelnuts. That's a, that's a quicker process, especially to to full production. So you know, you get mm-hmm. a few nuts yeah, in four or five years, and then you know, in in ten years, you're at full production. I mean, yeah. you're you're cranking. You know, you're really doing that. And they're also well, they require a little bit of management. After about fifteen or twenty years, you need to coppice them back, cut them back to the ground, and have them re-sprout. Uh, they will begin to go backwards a little bit in productivity, but when you do that, they come right back. Yeah. So, right. Um, but yes, hazelnuts are in the east. Uh, we have wild hazelnuts here that are little teeny tiny things, and uh, you know that's that's a little bit of a turnoff for you know commercial use or whatever. Um, but Rutgers University has released uh, four or five varieties now, 
that are commercial sized nuts that are resistant to eastern filbert blight. Hmm. So you can grow those and have a you know have a decent sized hazelnut uh, anywhere in the eastern United States. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a game changer. The Oregon State produced some that were supposed to be blight resistant, and they were pretty blight resistant where there wasn't any blight. Wow. When you brought them over here where there was yeah. a pretty good uh, amount of blight, they, they're they resistant, but they're not immune. Yeah. So, but. Well, you mentioned uh, chestnuts also. Do you have, uh, are, are you growing chestnuts? Are you selling chestnuts also, or just? I do, I do seedling chestnuts. Uh, grafting chestnuts is a little bit problematic because most of the chestnuts in the world are now hybrid of some sort. That's why I was going to ask you, what was your thoughts about the hybrids and how, how, what the future is for that kind of. Well, the, 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 as far as the, as the uh, Chinese hybrids, there's Chinese, Japanese, European, and America. Mm -hmm. And, uh, chestnut trees are, pretty loosey-goosey when it comes to pollination they all pollinate each other okay. and they uh, those hybrids the they have a great deal of, of genetic variability and when you begin to hybridize them that genetic variability makes for incompatibilities in between varieties so you wind up, you can graft them and they'll take and they'll grow for a while. And then they have what's called latent incompatibility, which is where the the graft union fails. They just can't, they just, they quit, they quit feeding the, the graft. Okay. And uh, so you can have a tree that's up and, you know, into production and you're just thrilled to death with it and it turns yellow and dies. Okay. I know a lot of people, especially in the world of permaculture, a lot of folks are, you know, they're looking to the chestnut and they're looking for like silvo pasture opportunities. You know, they can grow them, let the nuts drop, feed hogs, yeah. run their hogs through mm -hmm. there and do that. And, you know, I didn't know if uh, you thought there was, that was a good plan or if there were better that nuts a, for that maybe, or. That is a great plan. That okay. is a really good plan. Um, that is, I mean, that is probably the easiest thing to do. If you're going to run it, uh, going to run hogs in there with them, uh, you don't have to do anything to the chestnuts. You don't have to pick them up. You don't have to fool with the burrs. You don't have to do anything. You yeah. can let them drop and let the pigs harvest them for you and turn them into wonderful, you know, ham and bacon. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's favorite kind of nuts for the ones yeah. that turn into bacon. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a it's a high carbohydrate nut. It uh, packs the fat on. Um, deer hunters love them. Deer yeah. deer absolutely love those nuts. Um, uh, a deer will walk up to that burr and spread her toes out there and pop that thing, and that nut will go flying out. And she'll run over and eat it. <laughs> they got so it figured out, don't they? They do. They do. Um, wow. But yes, chestnuts are uh, the the American chestnut is still they're still working on that. Uh, mm -hmm. They make some progress and then they have some setbacks. Of course, we've got a genetically modified one that they're trying to to release now, and even when they get it released, it's going to be years and years and years before it's available to the general public. Yeah. Uh, that one is, uh, they're really hoping to reestablish it uh, 
as a somewhat native tree in native habitats. So, so the other thing about American chestnuts that that you know a lot of people want them and and uh, you know they they you know they they think about them just like the uh, Chinese chestnut. An American chestnut takes twenty or thirty years before it blooms. So you can, it's just like the, the native pecan that you, that you planted. It's got a long juvenile period and, you know, the tree may be 60 feet tall before it ever makes a flower. Um, so it's not a fast turnaround. The, the, the Chinese chest, that the reason that it is so, you know, so good for permaculture and for, for uh, all this is the Chinese have had that tree in cultivation for 6,000 years. So they have selected for early maturity and for nut size and for disease resistance for a long, long time. So it is a very, I mean, if you can domesticate a tree, Chinese chestnuts are the closest thing you've got to a domesticated tree. Mm-hmm. Um, all the others are just mainly wild selections. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, USDA does breeding on pecans, and there's a whole lot of, of uh, releases that they put out there that are, you know, made by selected crosses. But it's it's still, you know, they 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 make a thousand crosses and they plant a thousand seeds and they pick one every four or five years that's good. Wow. So it's not a it's not a magical formula. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you really appreciate the work that goes into that. I mean, knowing how long it takes to really get that right. I mean, that's a that's a process, and and you, I mean, yes. you got to appreciate the the work that goes into that and the dedication that goes into that because that, like I said earlier, that's a long game. That's a really long game when it comes down to to really you know fine tuning you know, those trees. Oh yeah, they've got they've got trees that crosses were made in the seventies that they're still testing. <laughs> so you know that's uh i've got a good friend that uh worked in some apple breeding one time and i asked him you know you know how long till you can release an apple variety he said to be sure it's a good one he said 30 or 40 years hmm. i was like but you know some of these guys are releasing stuff after two or three years and he said they don't have any idea what they got he yeah. said they haven't had enough time to test drought and flood and hot and cold and and uh, insect and disease all of the variables that can affect it so that's why you know you've got all these varieties of apples out there that uh, don't really do as well as they say they're going to do yeah and pecans have suffered from that too Uh, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong usda has released some some pretty from pretty big duds, um, <laughs> but they, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you about one that they, the first one they released was one named Barton, and Barton came out, it's a great big nut, disease resistant, just, just you know, in, in the first few years, it was great, and as it gets older, it's so precocious, it sets so many nuts that it can't fill them up. It doesn't have enough energy to fill all those shells, huh? So you have these half-filled nuts and and uh, and just you know thousands and thousands of them on these trees. Well, then the next year it doesn't have any nuts at all. Puts all uh, its energy into this. And it gets into what they call alternate bearing. 
So you have a huge crop that it can't fill, and then you have nothing. And then you have uh -huh. another huge crop that it can't fill, and it has nothing. Wow. Well, over the years, uh, they have started doing uh, what they call crop thinning, where they go in, in in August or, yeah, August, usually August, and shake the tree and shake about half the nuts off the tree. And a lot of the new commercial varieties, that's what they have to do. They have to go in there and shake the tree and shake the nuts off the tree. And but Barton has been thrown in the wastebasket of pecan breeding so long ago that nobody has done that with Barton. So we don't know for sure. But I had a buddy in Indiana. He's passed away now, but I uh, had a buddy in Indiana that had Barton in his orchard and he was shaking them and he said it was the best nut in his orchard. Is that right? So, yeah. you know, you. <laughs> You know, you, there, there's so many variables anytime you're planting a tree crop. How much how much do you want to put into it? You know, do you just want something that you plant and walk away from and it makes nuts no matter what? Or do you want to do you want something that you actually work out to maximize production? And you know, you can, it's just, it's like a tomato crop. I mean, you can plant tomatoes and you'll get tomatoes if you don't ever touch them again, or you can plant tomatoes and you can sucker them and prune them and tie them and stake them and thin them. Yeah. And, and you can get the best tomato ever. And, you know, where's the happy medium in there? I mean, you know, when I when I think about nut trees, though, I mean the 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 commitment of time of how long it's going to take, and just you know just the you know that's just a lot of your life that you're spending waiting on some trees to produce, and and yeah. uh, I mean you really don't want to make big mistakes in the beginning or get the wrong trees. I mean it's really nice to get something I think that's kind of proven itself over time already, so you know kind of what you have coming, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and that is that is very true. That is very true, and I, you know I I get. People call all the time and go, oh, that's a long time. Well, you know, time's going to pass whether you plant a tree Either or not. way. That's you know? right. So, you know, if you think you want to have a nut tree, you probably ought to go to planting one because, you know, 20 years from now, I mean, yeah. the 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 pecan varieties, you know, I told you that I started into the produce business and, and whatnot. I already knew about these pecan varieties but I didn't really know what to do with them. I really didn't know, you know, did I have space? Same same conversation we're having now. Oh, that's a lot of time. Oh, you know, I'm spending money now. And, you know, I got to wait a long time before I get anything back. And yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. That's 40 years ago. I'd have had in full <laughs> right. right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I could retire from the nut trees I planted, Okay. Yeah. Uh, but no, I put it off and put it off and put it off. And, and, you know, I, I, I can't stand here and tell people, you know, that, that, uh, that, you know, how they ought to do things. Cause I've done the very same thing they're thinking. So, yeah, but yeah. Those, those wonderful varieties, uh, you know, the nut grower guys are, pretty quiet and they're there's kind of a you know it's just a handful of them that all know about this stuff and mm -hmm. you know they're most of them by the time by the time their trees start producing and they can really get excited about it they're all old okay 
and yeah. uh, they're they're most of the guys you know don't really start planting trees until they're in their 40s or 50s yeah that's this so guy right here that's me I mean, old, you know they're all old by the time the stuff really kicks in you know and, yeah. and uh so you know they're not out uh, beating the drum uh to do this stuff and but there is right now there's a pretty good group of guys out there especially in the permaculture movement mm -hmm. who are hooping and hollering about this stuff i mean yeah. they're really really into it and they've got good information they have hunted down these old orchards and and found these old trees and uh you know they're they're seeing things they're 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 showing hey look this is this is what these trees will do. You remember that that hickory nut I told you about that cracked mm -hmm. out whole halves. You know you can't walk under that tree when the nuts fall for because there's so many on the ground. It's like walking on bowling balls down there. I mean they're just the ground <laughs> is solid nuts. Wow. So it's a hugely productive tree. Yeah, and, and but it's twenty five year tree, right? I mean it's twenty five years for you to see that, right? Yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be oh fifteen or twenty years before yeah. you see that. But you know, well, yeah, and I'm saying I'm just reminding our listeners. I'm like, so if you're gonna do this, do it now. I mean, you know, it put now. it off for five yeah. years. Well, yeah. From now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, I had a I had a, a gentleman come by here seven or eight years ago who was a market gardener over in North Carolina, and he had a piece of ground. I was down in kind of a creek bottom. It's a little too wet to to farm, and he bought twenty five or thirty pecan trees. And I, you know, I talked to the guys when they come by and pick up stuff. So, what are you going to do with these? And he said, "Well, one of these days I'm going to get too old to do this, and I need something that I can continue to sell at the market." and he was young he was in his late 20s early 30s somewhere in there and and i i've thought about him quite a lot uh yeah i mean 20 years from now when you're tired of crawling around and pulling turnips um you're gonna have pecans that you can pick yeah. up you know you can get you a nut wizard and pick them up standing up so you know um it's a it's a good plant it's a really good plant yeah Absolutely. Well, yeah, when I think about growing them on the homestead, I, I just love them because I do, I practice permaculture here, you know, and I think of them as a, the perfect overstory tree, even better than a fruit tree, really. I mean, you can grow some fruit trees under them. Well, and, and, and to get, and to get the most production out of a nut tree or fruit tree, anything, there's a real simple formula. Sunlight equals flowers equals fruit. Okay. So when you're planting your trees, you know, everybody wants to put as many trees in as small a space as possible. But we need to be planting a savanna, not a forest. Mm. Okay. A savanna has space between the trees, which means sunlight gets to the ground. So you get sunlight to the ground, and now you can have, you know, you can raise for the first 30 or so years, you can raise a crop in between your pecan trees mm -hmm. you know a lot of people plant well they in, in farm areas they plant soybeans in between them until they get oh yeah that alley cropping is huge like that i mean you're running the trees and then rows and rows of whatever else in between them yeah. yeah yeah and that's that's what you really want you want that space mm -hmm. in between the trees so that you can have sunlight all the way to the ground 
you want the pecan tree to make nuts all the way down where you could look at them standing on the ground. Yeah. You don't need them all up in the top of that tree. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, those are harder to get to. Um, you just got away from the fall, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, that, that whole concept of permaculture and interplanting and having yeah. layers, you know, having, I mean, that's what a forest is. It's layers. There's a, yeah. a story, a mid story and a, an overstory. And that's what you want to have. And yeah. this works really, really well for that. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of folks that are running orchards and they just alternate, you know, they'll, that way they're not just, there's not a lot of spread of disease. It creates more, you know, just resistance in a lot of ways, insects and, and, uh, disease, fungal issues and things like that by alternating trees and, you know, and not having just like a cluster of the same thing. I don't know how you feel about that, but it seems to work really well for folks who practice that. It, it, it is a good way to do it. And it also helps break up the disease cycle. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got, uh, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people like there's a there's a, a hybrid between a hickory and a pecan called a hickon. Never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, that's a it's a shagbarks and shellbarks both will will pollinate and will get pollinated by pecans. Wow! And it it creates a a hybrid that has the 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 scent of a hickory nut but the, the uh, shell like a pecan. So it's a thin mm. shell. Some of them look like hickory nuts. Some look like pecans. Uh, just depends on which way the cross went. But they're an absolute magnet for pecan weevils. Uh. Okay. So pecan weevil is actually, a, it, that, that insect actually evolved with the hickory nut. And it prefers hickory nuts. But if you give it something that, has a shell on it like a pecan and smells like a hickory nut they'll all go to that tree and that is one that could be used as a trap prop for people who have a problem with that insect and if you run chickens underneath it they'll eat all the weevils when they come out of the shells there you go yeah that's brilliant okay? yeah so, so you know you can get you can get protein that way that's uh one of the one of the in, insects, there's a, a chestnut weevil that's a problem with chestnuts, and running chickens and hogs under there takes care of that problem. Yeah, so they'll get about ninety nine percent of those, and that little insect crawls up the side of the tree. Very few of them fly, so those weevils crawl up the tree. So you can trap, you can put a trap on the tree and catch those weevils, and uh, stop that process also. But the uh, those uh, hickons, uh, you know, a lot of people want to grow them, and they're they're a very interesting tree. Um, they have, you know, the nuts have a good flavor, but they are a bug magnet. So, well, it sounds like that again. You turn a, a problem into a solution in some ways. I mean, you're feeding some livestock with it while you're, you know, you know, dealing with a problem. But yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's. Uh, you know that that is that is really the way to solve most of the problems in agriculture is mm -hmm. find a way to make it into a, a positive rather than a negative. It's not take a poison and just spray it. That's not the solution. Well, I mean, <laughs> it is a solution, but it's not necessarily the only solution. And certainly, yeah, I would argue it's not the right solution. But yeah, my water supply says so, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's it's uh, I. I mean, everybody has their everybody has their reasons for doing what they do. Mm -hmm. 
I understand. Yeah. So, you know, I can't just stand here and say that everybody that, that sprays is bad and everybody that doesn't spray is good. Um, I've been to both kinds of places and I've seen good and bad at both kinds of places. So. I would argue that there's better ways. There's more, there's more environmentally friendly ways, but there are also ways that take a lot more commitment. They take a lot more time. They take a lot more work sometimes to make it work. And I get that. I understand I, that. I'll, I'll tell you the, I, I, I know a guy who tried to grow apples organically there in Stuff. Indiana. And it was a, an utter and total failure. And he'll admit that it was an utter and total failure. But in the process, he, he learned the pest intimately. I mean, every insect, every fungus, every disease, everything that could go wrong. He saw everything that could go wrong mm-hmm. with an apple tree. And when he converted over to conventional you know, to spraying his trees, uh, he was able to grow a nearly perfect crop with 10% of what Purdue University said you needed to spray. Hmm. And that is that is one thing, I guess, uh, about, uh, about pesticides, whether they're organic pesticides or not organic pesticides. If you don't know when to spray it, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. So the, uh, you know, if, if the insect is not there, there's no need to spray it. Yeah. If the disease is not active, there's no need to spray it. So, you know, spraying three times a year and getting uh, 90% coverage is a heck of a lot better than spraying every 10 days. Yeah. Just because. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's, I mean, even if you are going that route, there are better ways to do it. That, that it you know, is, just, I mean, it, besides all that, I mean, besides it just being better for the environment, think of the money he saves doing that. Well, yeah. The the money you save, the the environmental impact, the all of those sorts of things, uh, you know, it, it's, there's just a, we need to get really in tune with what we're growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're really in tune with what you're growing, then organic, not organic, whatever, you can actually solve the problem rather than just blast away at it and hope for the best. Yep, I agree. Nobody needs to blast away and hope for the best. That's just just not good management. Even Um, in in organic methods, if you're not doing it right, it, you know, the chances of you accomplishing anything with it are just, you know, not very good. You got to do it. You got to know what you're dealing with, when to deal with it, like you said, and, and treat it, you know, in the best way you can, even with organic methods. I mean, otherwise you'll, you're, you're sure to get defeated. I mean, if you just, like you said, blast away with it, you can throw diatomaceous earth and, you know, neem oil on it all you want, but if you're, <laughs> there's nothing there at that time when you're doing it, it ain't going to do any good. Right. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, if you, you know, if you want to, you want to put diatomaceous earth on the squash bugs before they get your squash. You have to, they have to be there. Okay? Yeah. You know, having it there and letting it get rained on and they show up the next day doesn't help at all. That's right. So, yeah. um, you know, making your, making your, you know, getting your soil fertility, right. A lot of times diseases and insects can be solved by having really, really healthy trees. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, one of the pecan scab is a, is a, a disease problem of, of some pecans. 
And the Noble Institute out in Oklahoma has a low spray orchard over there where they don't spray, I don't guess they spray anything in there. And they had some scab on some varieties and they were trying to figure out how to manage it. And they found that if they rake up all the leaf litter and burn it every winter, they don't have near the scab as if they just let it lay there and deteriorate. So just hygiene, just going through there and and, uh, cleaning up all the the old holes and all of the the leaves and and putting them in a windrow and burning them. Now Now you're converting that organic matter over into carbon and you're killing all of the the uh, spores that were on that material. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're you're putting potash back in the soil. You're putting phosphorus back in the soil, and you're getting rid of a disease at the same time. Yeah. So, a uh, lot of different ways of of managing. You know, the orchard floor. If you've got the pigs in there, they're going to eat everything that hits the ground. Okay. In the ground <laughs> and then they're going to turn it all over and bury it all real good yeah yeah chickens can do the same thing i mean if you mm-hmm. leave chickens there long enough there's not going to be anything left there um, right yeah yeah so, you, gotta, you gotta really gotta practice rotational grazing through even through a silver pasture and or they can just destroy everything around well, that absolutely sure. absolutely but you know there again timeliness is the thing you know yeah you put the pigs in there at the right time. They go through and churn it all up and eat everything that's there. And you, you've taken care of, of diseases and insects and everything else. You put them in there a month too soon and you miss the opportunity. So. Yeah, sure. Well, you said earlier you, uh, you were growing for uh, one of the reasons you like to grow the way you're growing is because you want to grow for the, the smaller homestead, not just these people doing a big commercial business. Mm-hmm. And uh, you really, you know, had a desire to sell to people and, and help people get these nut trees on, on their homesteads. Um, what kind of uh, nut trees do you think work really good on a homestead? We talked about a few, I imagine, and it depends on what you're doing, of course. I mean, we've talked about chestnut and hazelnut and and, and hickory and a couple others. Um, is there anything else that you think would be a good homestead tree? Well, I, I don't grow black walnuts here because there's a there's a quarantine uh, on the state of Tennessee over a disease that's about, I don't know, three and a half hours from here uh, that's not spreading. But uh, the uh, black walnut grows pretty much throughout the eastern United States and, and quite a bit in the western United States. Um, and there are the same thin-shelled varieties out there of black walnut as there are of the hickories and pecans. Is that right? So yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Crack out the whole halves, the whole nine yards. Um, so about like an English walnut almost, as far as the very much. So you know, it still has that bold black walnut flavor. Hmm. Um, but you know, really, just about anything. We actually now have almonds in in uh, our selection. So we've got hardy almonds. Mm-hmm. They're good up to zone five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, is there, there's really not a, there's not such a thing as a bad nut tree. Um, what works good depends on what you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, if you're doing, uh, if you're doing hogs, then uh, chestnuts and pecans and things like that are probably better. If you're doing market gardening, then, you know, something that's familiar, chestnuts and, and uh, pecans would probably be a little better. 
hazelnuts would be good. Um, you know, shade in a pasture, you know, you've got horses or cattle and you need a little shade. Pecans make a tall tree. Uh, chestnuts in with livestock can be a little bit of an issue because of the burrs. Um, generally speaking, they're not a problem, but, but some people are a little iffy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, black walnuts don't go along good with gardens. They have some pretty serious allopathic effects. Mm-hmm. Um, the hickories and pecans don't seem to have that same effect. So they can be in pretty close proximity to to a garden or whatever and not, not cause that effect. Um, you know, chickens go everywhere and eat everything. So, you know, they they work really well with any kind of tree. Yeah. Um I, you know, I, I can't really think of many reasons not to grow them. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I guess the, the big factor would be is what you're trying to do with them and where you live. I mean, not everything grows everywhere. So let's that, that, can we talk about that it. a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the, the, so pecans are, pecans grow from, they grow well from Southeast Pennsylvania, uh, Lancaster County, that corner. Mm-hmm down through the Piedmont of Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, around the Appalachians. Uh, they can work in the mountains, but you got to have some some short season varieties. Mm-hmm. Pecans like hot nights, okay? They, they're a heat-loving creature. Um, mm-hmm. In the Midwest, where the corn grows a foot a day, they love that kind of heat and humidity, okay? Um, if you live someplace where it's, you know, it's 90 degrees in the daytime, but 45 degrees at night, pecans are not going to do real well for you. Michigan, uh, Michigan, <laughs> you know, yeah. up in the mountains, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, the, uh, but you know, through most of the Midwest, uh, there's actually some pecans. I saw a meeting the other day. There's some pecans even up north of uh, Columbus, Ohio, that are making pecans. Is that right? Wow. There's some a part of southeast Michigan that that where they can grow pecans. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, That's there's surprising. A, there's a little band of southern Ontario where they grow pecans on the wow. on the north side of Lake Ontario. That's really surprising. <laughs> I can't believe that. That's crazy. <laughs> They have quite a few varieties that have been selected to grow up there. Mm. Um, they're native up to Iowa. There actually may be a few wild ones in southern Wisconsin. Is that right? Wow. Out into the out into Missouri, uh, you know, eastern Kansas, all of Oklahoma and Texas, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, California. Um, I have a few people that are growing them in Washington and Oregon. I mean, they grow just about everywhere. Um, okay. Wow. The uh, hickories can grow on up to, you know, up through zone five, maybe even a, maybe into the edge of zone four. Um, it would be worth trying them if you really wanted nut trees and wanted to try. You know, pecan tree will live way further north than it'll make nuts. Um, yeah. They the, the survivability of the tree is is fine. They, they live, they'll live just fine. So it's just a production issue. It's just yeah. the production side. Uh, you know, they've got to have that heat to fill out those nuts. That's yeah. the thing. And hickory trees don't need as much heat. 
so they can they can go ahead and and uh, and produce in a in a cooler climate. Um, black walnuts grow where black walnuts grow. I mean, all over the eastern United States. Mm-hmm. The chestnuts are probably the zone five. Uh, the further north you get, you kind of gotta you kind of gotta be a little careful on those. Um, and the hazelnuts are good to zone three, so they can grow way up north and uh, down to zone eight. Um, hazelnuts are not too good in Florida, but uh, you know from the you know all of the mid south and and up into New England, they're good. Yeah, that that's definitely turned out to be one of my favorites here on the property. I just like the how quick the production is and all the things you can just do with that that mm-hmm. plant. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're you're doing you're growing a lot of stuff. What do you got? About eight or nine? Eight, what do you got? Eight and a half acres or something yeah, like eight that. Eight and a half acres. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you're 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 growing a lot. You're not just growing for yourself though. You're growing for market. You're selling. You have a nursery, I think, right? So you're yeah, doing I've, all got a, stuff. I've got a nursery here. Um, I've got uh, about four acres of pecan trees that are all planted too close together. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm growing them for sign wood. So I've got. Uh, I'll have eventually I'll have 50 different varieties of pecans here and probably 30 or 40 varieties of hickory here and five or six varieties of hazelnut. We'll have almonds here and then in between them I'm planting pawpaws and persimmons um, for that and I don't know how many I don't know how many of your homesteaders are actually thinking about selling uh selling nuts as far as part of a, an income stream or whatever but that is that is the untapped resource uh, yeah i think so too yeah country. um you you get some of those sinchel hickory nuts and you show up at the market and you are the only guy yeah you will be the only guy for a long time and uh chestnuts chestnuts are Chestnuts are very important to people from Eastern Europe and Asia. It's a very important part of their diet. We don't have a chestnut culture here. Our chestnut culture died with the American chestnut. Yeah. So we don't have that in our, it's not in our palate. It's not in our our, uh, food shed, so to speak. It's just not something that we know what to do with. But it's very important to people from Europe and and from Asia. They they it's a big part of their diet, and mm-hmm. showing up at the farmers market with fresh chestnuts is going to get you a lot of attention. Yeah, and, that sounds like a great plan. I mean, that sounds like something worth doing, even though it is a is a long commitment. You know, of getting that plan and getting it going, and uh, you know, maintenance wise, I don't know. You're growing. I mean. What little I've been around I me, mean, I walking through the woods. I mean, the things grow anyway, but I don't know if you're growing them for market and you're growing them a little closer together, more in rows. I'm, I imagine there's a level of uh, work involved in it for sure. Well, there's, I mean, hey, anything worth doing has work involved with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I, I, I mean, I have the laziest garden fairies in the world because they don't take care of my stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, there, but having said that, having said, yes, there's some work involved with it. It's seasonal work and it's not, 
it you know it's intensive for a day or so it's not uh you're not going to be i mean i go through my orchard every two or three days for relaxation and enjoyment not mm-hmm. not because i've got to get out there and break a sweat um you know i mow the grass under the trees so i could look at the trees you know i could yeah. let the grass grow all summer long and mow it at the end of the summer if I wanted to. I just happen to like to go down through there and look at them and see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, so. my my thought is, though, that that uh, short of maybe if you had some kind of an infestation that moved in or something like that, they're, they're really less work than fruit trees. Oh, far, by far, they're yeah. less work. Way, way by far. And, you know, there's, a, there's some pruning to do, but nothing like a fruit tree. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna maintain a fruit tree for production, you're gonna prune a bunch out of it every year. Yeah. Pecan trees, you're doing you're doing corrective pruning. You're cutting things that are crisscrossing inside the tree. You're trying to keep a single leader in the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you limb them up so you can get under them with the tractor or walk under them without knocking your hat off or whatever. And otherwise, you just let that do do what it wants to. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you you don't have to open them up. I mean, you, you know, a lot of fruit trees, they open them up, you know, but these things get big. And, you know, without a crane, you're not going to be doing a lot of pruning on those. And, and that, might, that might depend, too, on where you're at. If you live in a, a place that has pretty high humidity or, or or just gets a lot of rainfall and things like that, where you're going to have more moisture, maybe invite some fungal issues in or something like that, you might want to open them up to get more airflow through them, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. Well, stay, what, it, what, what I've noticed with pecan trees is if you make a hole in a year or two, it's going to fill it up. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't like it huh <laughs> they, they they just they will figure out a way to they are very very good solar collectors yeah and if there is sunlight available they're going to fill the hole and and uh and uh and take it in well that's part of why they produce so well i guess it yeah. is it is but you know the, the chestnuts as far as the market is concerned the chestnuts the hickories nobody's got those pecans you know, in Indiana, you got pecan trees, you've got pecans, you take them to a market, you if you're allowed to give out samples, um, it isn't going to be long. Well, there's a there's a guy who was in uh, central Illinois, he's, a, he's east of St. Louis, mm-hmm. and he's much bigger now than he was, but when he first started, he had about 40 acres of pecans. And he would put an ad right before Thanksgiving in the St. Louis newspaper. And he sold every pecan he could pick up off of 40 acres off his front porch on Saturdays and Sundays between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And he said he'd wake up on Sunday morning before daylight and there'd be a line of cars completely out of sight down the road from his house waiting on him to open up. And uh, so... You know, is there a demand for the product? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you have, it's it's like anything else, produce, fruit, whatever, you know, grass-fed beef, grass-fed pork, uh, range poultry, you know, all of that sort of stuff. If you have a quality product and you let people know about it, they will come to you to buy it. Yeah. But it's that uncommon stuff that seems to really 
really do well. Like I think of, you know, of course nuts, but I think of things like mushrooms. There ain't a lot of people that are selling mushrooms. There's not a lot of people selling, you know, maybe microgreens and things. It was just those, those things that maybe not everybody's selling. You get everybody's selling tomatoes and, you know, a, a salad mix and this and that. And that's great. Those sell well also, but boy, they, they'll flock to those things that are hard to find. Yeah, we tried microgreens, and my wife told me if I planted those again, she'd divorce me. So we're not going to do that. Right. But uh, that was before people grew them on the Rockwell mats, which is a whole lot nicer than the way yeah. we're having to harvest them with a pair of scissors. And yeah, uh, I remember we we harvested a whole flat, and we had an had less than an ounce of of baby chives. And uh, she said, "Don't you ever do this again?" Yeah, but boy, they go they go for a lot of money per ounce, so they're pretty good oh, paying yeah. crop. Oh yeah, I can tell you lots of produce stories about fancy restaurants, but uh, yeah, yeah, they. Uh, that's that's the other thing is is you know in in my produce business, I tell I've told people my weird stuff sells my ordinary stuff. Mm, yeah. So you grow the unusual to get people to come to you. And then, then they buy your ordinary stuff, and that's uh, that's how that works. You got to have something to differentiate yourself from the from the herd, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, you know the mushrooms. Uh, you know, pecan wood is really good for for smoking meats and things like that. So you can uh-huh. you can take your trimmings off your trees and cut them up into pieces and people will come and buy the trimmings off your trees. Um, you know, chestnut wood, when the trees get old and mature, chestnut wood is a very fine wood to be used for, you know, furniture and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, the, there's, well, there's people who grow whole walnut groves just for the tree wood, you know, and they'll just put up a whole oh, yeah. and use it for retirement in 30 or 40 years. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, that's just, that's the whole thing. I mean, the, there's so many ways to skin the cat and, and I, I have, uh, I have been exposed to a lot of very interesting people in the food world and, and, you know, the, the being creative is is how you it's how you you know make your way through this thing i mean mm-hmm. everybody has squash and zucchini in the summertime okay i mean it's it's <laughs> more than we want sometimes <laughs> it's everywhere so yeah. you know can you grow it yes can you sell it maybe um but maybe you can uh, even give it away <laughs> yeah <laughs> But, uh, you know, we, we do, you know, we do a lot of unusual things and, and that's, that's how we're able to make it. That's why people like us. And, and, uh, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of it. And the nut trees are one of those unusual things, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a little niche that you can, can form and, and, you know, people will come to you. The other thing is, is, and we didn't even touch on this. It's a storable. It's a storable crop. Um, yes. Yeah. Good you point. pick your pecans, and even in the shell, you can throw them in the freezer, and they're good for years. Yeah. Uh, thaw them out when you want to crack some of them. Uh, if you crack them ahead, go ahead and crack a bunch of them. You can throw them in the freezer, and they'll stay good for years. Um, the uh, there's a there's a gentleman we met over near St. Louis who has uh, he's a dentist and he bought 15 acres and built a nice house and planted seven acres of pecan trees. Mm. 
and he put in all the equipment to take care of the trees and he's got coolers to store the nuts and so on and so forth. And uh, he, he does very well selling his pecans and he sells every pecan he can pick up off those seven acres across the counter in his dentist office. He didn't go to a market. He just sells them at work. <laughs> okay. And, and it's, uh, it, it amounts to pretty good side money, even for a dentist. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Just on the side, little side it's, job. It's yeah. a little side, you know, it's a side gig for him, but seven acres of pecans is, is, is a significant about a pecan. A lot of nuts. Yeah. So, for sure. uh, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a thing that, it's a thing that can be done. I mean, I, I, I wish I could just sit here and say, Oh yeah, it's a piece of cake. All you just is to storm over your shoulder and money <laughs> will come up out of the ground. And you know, it's, it, it's not that easy, but, uh, it is, a it is a, a very effective thing to do. Sure. It sounds like it. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like, what you're doing is working out well. I mean, you're running a nursery, you know, selling the actual trees too. I mean, I know you, you don't want competition, but I mean, that's actually, uh, you know, I know a few people who are doing nurseries and there's a lot of red tape that can be involved in what state you're in and depending on that and stuff. But, you know, it's also an, an option too, if you want to get into that. There, There is some of that. And, and, you know, the, the, I started to do pecans and, and everybody told me pecans are hard. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they weren't lying. They're hard. Um, you know, a pecan, a pecan is a hickory tree. It's in the hickory family. And uh, they don't graft very well. They, they, they grow slowly. And uh, they don't, the, the graft unions don't heal. You can, you can graft an apple tree and throw it in the driveway and it'll still grow. I mean, it'll, you know, they're, they're real easy. But hickories have to, and pecans, you know, you, they, you've got to pay really close attention to detail to get that to work. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to discourage anybody. It's that's the, just the facts as I've learned them. And yeah, uh, it's just, yeah, it's a whole nother thing there that you know, yeah, it just takes time to, yeah, you put in the time, obviously, that to, to learn this, this trade and make a go of it. And yeah, it sounds like it's working out pretty well. I mean, uh, let's talk about your website for a minute and some of the stuff you're offering for selling. Where do you ship? You ship all over the United States or what do you do? I, I ship into 47 of the floor 48 States. California okay. is uncooperative when it comes to plants. So I gotcha. So uh, we can't send anything to California. They have some rules and regulations that don't let me do that. Uh, pecans can't go to Arizona, New Mexico and four counties in West Texas. Um, but the rest of the country, I can send those to, um, the, uh, hickories are the same way. Anything in the, in the carrier family can't go to those areas. Um, almonds can go pretty much anywhere. The chestnuts, uh, believe it or not, I can't send chestnuts to Louisiana. I don't know why. All right. <laughs> uh, and Michigan, Michigan doesn't, doesn't let them in. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, yeah, we send trees all over the country. Um, you know, the trees are a pecan tree is at least three years old by the time it leaves here. And usually sometimes it's four years old. Takes them two years to get big enough to graft and then they need to grow another season after that. Um, hickory's the same way. 
Um, and we grow in a root pruning container, grow them in a, a root maker bag. Um, that gives us a very good fibrous root system. Uh, a pecan tree, if you plant a pecan in the ground, by the time that tree is two feet tall, it'll have a four foot long taproot, big as your wrist. Mm -hmm. And it won't have hardly any feeder roots on it. It'll just be like a big giant carrot running, growing in the ground. Is that right? <laughs> and uh, if you dig it up, uh, you know, you're going to cut probably half or more of those roots off by the time you get it dug up. And uh, bare root pecan trees just don't survive very well. They yeah. just they just don't do real well. But the container grown thing, that's that's I, I did that because I really I, I wanted to have a good quality tree with a good quality root system on it. Yeah. And it's worked out pretty well. Worked yeah. out pretty well. Uh When's the, I mean, is now a good time to be buying trees? Do you sell all, all summer or what do you do? Do you uh, maybe spring and fall or how do you do that? It's mostly, mostly fall, winter and spring, uh, okay. through the heat of the summer. I mean, if you want to come pick one up, that's fine. But, uh, you know, taking a, yeah. taking a leafy green tree, putting it in a box and sticking it inside of a dark brown truck for four days. Gonna be some stress there. Not a recipe <laughs> for success. So, right. Yeah. Um, when it gets up in the 90s, shipping trees is just not the greatest idea. Yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, I've had people drive in here, you know, in in July and pick up trees and take them home and plant them. If you're willing to water them, you can you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've planted trees in the middle of summer and and yeah, this require more work for sure. I mean, you definitely have to stay on top of it and water them well and and just really watch them. And I've even had to provide shade before, you know, put up some shade cloth to kind of help them out a little bit when it's really hot and really sunny, yeah. you know, but, uh, yeah, but you yeah can do we, we, we've started our fall shipping here just the last two weeks and, and we'll ship on through most of the winter. If we, we get into, if we have the polar vortex that the, everybody's talking about us having this winter, we'll probably hold off when we hit sub zero. But, uh, you know, as long as it's uh, in the, you know, 20s and 40s, we can ship trees. So so what happens if you buy a tree in the middle of winter? I mean, if you can't can't uh, dig a hole, if it's certain areas, of course, but what, what do you do there? I mean, you just hold on to it till spring or well, what are you doing? It, it's in a pot. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's in a pot all its life. Um, you want to, you know, put it in a cool place, not a, not outside on the back porch where it's going to freeze, you know, <laughs> solid, but. Yeah, uh, in a garage or a, or a cool basement, someplace you know where it's where it's the temperature is moderated. So the so the roots don't damage until they get below gotcha. seven degrees. Okay? okay, so if you can, even if it freezes solid at thirty two degrees, it won't hurt the tree. Okay, yeah, I've just never bought a tree in the winter. I've always bought them in the <laughs> spring or fall. I was kind of wondering what the game plan was there. <laughs> well, I mean, we we winter our trees spend the winter outside. And yeah, you know, they freeze, you know, as my dad used to say, they freeze harder than Chinese arithmetic. I mean, they <laughs> freeze solid. And you know, you'll go out there, they're they're sitting outside. We've thrown a little straw over the top of them, and the the top of the bag you could, you know, you could break something on and and, and you pick that tree up. The ground underneath is warm enough to keep the bottom of the bag from freezing. Yeah. So I rarely, rarely have them freeze all the way through. Uh, but yeah, I've had people that that bought trees and you know, 
things happen. They didn't get them planted. They wound up in a garage or wound up in a cool mm-hmm. basement or something all winter long. They planted them in the springtime and they were fine. Sure. Yeah. And I've also had people who, you know, hey, you know, my tree died. Okay. Well, you know, you know, can you send me a picture of it? Well, they're still in my garage. Uh, I never actually got them planted. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's problematic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't, uh, yeah, can't really uh, make up for everybody's mistakes, I guess. No, can you? <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, no, the, uh, you know, I, I, I've had some people, they had a compost pile, they took the tree, they healed it in in the compost pile. It sat in the compost pile all winter long. They pulled it out in the springtime, planted it. It did just fine. Oh, yeah. And producing that little bit of heat in that compost probably really helped it. Yeah. 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 I mean, bury them in a big pile of leaves, something just to sure. just to keep those roots from freezing. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would I would love to say that everything worked according to my plan, but nothing ever does here either. So Right, right, uh, right. I generally plant here in November. But I've also planted in March and April. Just yeah, what I got. I, I always think that's so funny. I mean, really, to me, it's always the best. I mean, I feel like fall is just the best time to, to really plant a tree. But when do all the big box stores and all the people always have trees for sale? You never see them in the fall. You always see them in the spring only. Well, <laughs> around the, here anyway. You know, we're we. I, I don't know what it is about us, but we, you know, we we sit all cooped up in the house all winter long. And we're so itching to get outside and do something. We want to plant that garden. So, so they're just feeding on our desire to do spring gardening. And the other issue with fall is, is, you know, it's, it's just now gotten cool here and Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's hot all the way into October here. where And, uh, you know, the trees are still growing. If you, you got to remember most of what you're going to buy at the big box store is bare root. So if they dig those dudes in August and they don't keep them wet, they're dead or in a hammer by the time you get ready to plant them. So <laughs> yeah, I have, I've, been, I've had pretty good success with most of it, but I've had to really baby some of those trees I've bought that way and planted. I mean, you really have to pay attention to them, plant them right, feed the just throw the water at them really heavy for a long while, oh, just yeah. really help them out, <laughs> really help them out. Yeah, yeah, but that that uh, you know the the generally people don't think about planting in the fall they're they're thinking right. about other things mm-hmm. and uh but you know the roots on a tree grow as long as the soil temperature is above 40 degrees mm-hmm. so you know you plant a tree in september october and we have an extended fall you may get two root two months of root growth on that tree after you yeah. plant it even though it doesn't have any leaves on right and, uh, you know, you get a warm spell in the wintertime, those roots start growing again. Yeah. So you're actually doing a pretty good job of, of extending the, the growth of the roots on that tree by planting in the fall. Well, I think it's a, that's a good plan. And I think folks should head over to your website, rockbridgetrees.com is I'll have the link in the show notes for that, but you look like you had a nice variety there. sounds like you're, you're shipping all over the place for, for most places anyway. And uh, you got a really good variety of stuff there. I mean, you look like you had, I mean, when we talk about like say pecans or different types, you just had a a lot of varieties of things. So. Yeah, I've got a lot, I've got a lot of varieties. Some of them are, some of them are there for historical reasons. There's uh, (laughs) some of them are old varieties that have been around a long time. 
But most of them are good quality nuts that, that you know, anybody could, anybody would want to grow. Sure. And I suppose if some folks had a question about what would be best for them, they could reach out to you and on your website and maybe ask you some questions right. or something before they made a purchase. And I, I talk to folks on the phone just about all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good idea, especially if you just real, you know, you're not sure about what maybe be best for your area or what you thought maybe your, your purposes were. And you could kind of help them maybe think that out or whatever, if, if you need to do that. And especially if they were going to, you know, make a big purchase and have acres of trees. You want to make the right decision on they, that for they, sure. They probably want to talk about it a little while before they, yeah. they punch the send button on the order. They really, yeah, yeah that's uh, and I, and I have, I have told people that they've made bad choices before. I mean, yeah. that, that's, uh, you know, you don't want a, you don't want a very Southern tree, you know, even up there where you are in Indiana. Right. So, right. Um, you got to have enough days to ripen the nuts and all that sort of stuff. So, uh-huh. yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, we, we do our best not to, not to let people make mistakes that we can help them from making. So some of us are stubborn. No, we're going to, we're just going to hit, you know, we're going to do it ourselves and, you know, just click on that shopping cart and just do well, it ourselves anyway. <laughs> you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be homesteading if you weren't ordering. Right. I'm telling you. We we want to make our mistakes our way and learn from them our way. Now <laughs> we don't want people straightening us out too soon. <laughs> hey, can't do it the hard way. Why do it at all? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Dave, I sure appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this. Cause like I said, this is a subject I don't think it's talked about enough. Like you said, nobody's really talking about this on a homestead level you know uh this you know growing these things doing market gardening with them you know i hear a lot of just talk in the permaculture world about like I said feeding hogs and doing silver pasture and things like that but that's really as far as it goes you know we're not really talking about as a food source much you know and 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 you know other other uses for them and i think i think you've definitely sparked some interest in people's ears by being on here and um yeah uh, i think uh I think folks should be planting some nut trees, you know, and yeah, if, especially if you got a little bit of land, you know, you definitely got some room. They're bigger trees. You know, most of them are big and you know, take up a lot of space. And, but when you talk about production, I mean, they're just kind of unmatched really. You put the time in and you're going to get some production. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and they're, a, they're, a, you know, it's a, it's a good long-term investment. I mean, yeah. and that, that is, that really is what homesteading is all about is you're investing yeah, I agree. In a long-term project, uh you know we're we we live in a culture that has a very short-term mindset mm-hmm. um you know most people on monday don't even know what they're going to do on friday <laughs> and you know to to be very good at homesteading it's uh you know if you if you want a slice of bacon for breakfast it takes about three years to get that ready so i mean that's uh <laughs> that's okay. uh you know you you've got to be thinking in a longer term and 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 the, the tree thing fits right into that. And, you know, that's, uh, and if you got a, if you got a property that, that, you know, you can build a legacy with and something that your grandkids can end up taking care of, man, what is a better investment on that property than nut trees? I mean, that's definitely something really long-term. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are, there are chestnut orchards in Spain that have been in the same families for 500 years. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah, I mean you can you can do this and and uh, and you know your children can benefit, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren can benefit mm-hmm. from from something that you do, and it's uh, it, it's a really it's a really good long term investment with without an overwhelming amount of work every year doing it. So right, right, yeah, and it's something that you know. Maybe you don't have to do it all at once. Maybe you can just do pieces of it at a time and, 
you know, have it come in, some of it come in later if it's too big of an investment early on. But yeah, it'd be a good idea to get as many as you can in early for sure. I've been doing this 13 years and I've got customers who have bought trees for me every year for 13 years. Yeah. And that's what it takes to to really get where you want to be. That's that's the way to do it, I guess. But, you know, the earlier the better, but you do what you can when you can, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well. Dave, I appreciate you coming on. It's been great. And I, I really think folks are going to benefit from this. And uh, yeah, I just, I think you just brought a wealth of knowledge to us. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on.